about 25 minutes after we intended on recording because I had to pee. (laughs) (laughs) I had to pee. You didn't have the software or you did, but it was stupid. Listen, I tried. I'm doing my best. Yeah, it's all good. We all have our flaws, but we keep going. We keep pushing. (laughs) So, Hi, welcome back to the podcast. I don't need to do my intro because I already have one recorded, but we have a guest on this week and she's one of my favorite people on the planet. She's the expert on this topic, I would say. Jesus Christ. So I'm going to let her do most of the talking. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, or at least about the movie, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, this is Katie. You want to introduce yourself to the people? Hey, guys. My name is Katie Mozaleski down um, in North Carolina, and I met Victoria through the internet, like most people that I've become close friends with. Period. Yeah, girl. Katie. What do you do? What it, tell them about your your two little spawn. I have two small children. Um, my sweet boys. Um, they are hot messes. I am slowly, um, kind of corrupting them when it comes to horror and everything. I've listened to murder and horror podcasts since they were before I even knew I was pregnant with both of them. So I like to you know pass this along to them. Um. My oldest, as he's hiding, and he likes to turn into the corner and look at the corner and just pretend like he's sleeping. So I call him the Blair Witch. And then, <laughs> as you do, um, he's three. And then my youngest, he hides in the house like a Victorian ghost behind curtains. So one is a possessed demon and the other one is a Victorian ghost. So it all works out in the end. I love it. I, I love, love it. it. That's what you, the universe said, you know what, here you go. <laughs> you know what, here's what you need. Give me five. You need two of them. <laughs> not one, but two. And one <laughs> is a banshee two. and one is not, so it's all fine. Yeah. I don't I have think, a Blair Witch and a banshee. I don't think banshees are inherently evil. I no, think just, they're just loud. loud. Loud as what, fuck. What is the point of them being loud, though? What are, are they trying to summon something or are they trying to scare you away? Um... I don't know. My youngest definitely is trying to summon me. Um, (laughs) If it's not me, he's trying to summon it's his brother. So, like, they, like, have, like, a banshee off, specifically in the car, which I love. Um, Just back and forth, which is, you know, lovely. Lovely, especially when you're trying to focus and drive. (laughs) Best thing in the entire world. Well, my spooky team. The first Google of the episode. Oh, dear God. Do banshees. If, listen, if we listen, listener. if we listen to the Sinisterhood podcast and like, you know, record it to memory, I could tell you. I have it. I have a book called Hush Now Banshee. I've seen that book on both the Sinisterhood page and in your home. <laughs> so I bought the I bought the um, the Monsters ABCs and Goodnight Krampus for my oldest when he was, I don't know, like one and a half, and he. Um, I told Heather to get it for Christy for Sinisterhood because we were both pregnant with our youngest at the same time. And she actually did. And I was like, oh, we're best friends. When you were a part of the best you crew. Exactly. I listened to their Banshee episode many times, but I don't. It's so early in the thing that I don't remember any of it. So I know I they're Irish and they scream. That's all I yeah, know. Yeah, it says they're believed to foretell the death of a member of the family or a person who has seen spirits so it's like an omen i guess they're like hey you finna die 
Well, that makes sense because the actual Omen terrified the fuck out of me growing up. I saw it on 6606, the remake, (laughs) right? My best friend was supposed to meet me at the theater and she got into a car accident on the way in. Not like a serious one. She backed into somebody like in the parking lot. A little offended. But she was like, yeah, I'm not going to make it. And yeah, I'm not about that life. This is like, this is why I can't. I can't do possession shit. Like, I know you're all about, like, the Annabelle and the Conjuring and all that shit. And I cannot. <laughs> I'd much rather do slasher stuff. Because, in theory, besides, like, Friday and shit, like, it is a man behind a mask with a knife. You know, like they say in Stab 6, I think, at the beginning of Scream 4. And it's like, there are clear rules. This is a human versus a human versus the omen and shit where the devil does not play by our rules. No, he's like magic. <laughs> he, like, no! You know what I mean? Like, I'm not playing with Satan. I'm not about that life. <laughs> yeah, no. I lo- yeah, that's the clear distinction between me and Katie, because we're very similar people, except she- I do, I handle possessions. She handles real stabby stabbers. I just handle all the true shit that could actually happen to your life. Yeah. Which is, gonna- which is a problem. But I feel like that speaks a lot to, like, where my anxiety lives. It's like, no, if I just, if I'm just super prepared, maybe yeah. this will happen to me. For sure. I mean, I feel like I do pretty well on a possession situation with how much I know about it. I don't want to be possessed, but I'm saying if I was in the room with somebody that's possessed. <laughs> There's so many things, like, you know, obviously it's, we're getting into spooky season and all this stuff. And there's so many, like, cute, like, cutting boards or, like, the Ouija board shit on it. Mm-hmm. Like, at Target. And I'm like, we're not trying to bring Pazuzu into this life. Like, I, you remember Pazuzu Alderaan? Like, that whole mm-hmm. Satanist <laughs> shit? That's not yeah. far from where I live. And I'm not oh. trying to play this game. With the, with the terrible pool in the backyard. God and his fucking meth, like, sawed down teeth. It's crazy like, that he can't. was just, like, on drugs and was like, if you've never heard of this case, look it up. Sinister has a great episode on it. It's iconic. <laughs> the meat warlock. Yep. But uh, he was on meth and he filed down his teeth into points because he was a quote unquote Satanist. Which if you're into the Church of Satan, I think, obviously I'm not signing sources here besides I think just um, Henry Zabrowski from last podcast on the left. But like true Satanists aren't about this life. No, Wait, they're I, very chill. And, like, the Church <laughs> of Satan is very much just, like, hey, if you want to erect something of the Ten Commandments, you also need something for Satan because we're about separation of church and state. And this is how it should be. Mm-hmm. But he filed his shit down into points, and then his house was disgusting. Good like, gross. a mix they're... of hoarder-level mixed with feces and, like, dead animals, and then he murdered somebody... I think at least one person maybe two and they were buried in his backyard and it was not far from me in North Carolina and I'm not trying to play that game well he's just a dude that needs help so I mean, he's not a this demon is what I'm saying but he's a dude true 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 not I mean Satan. the person we're gonna read about, well actually all the people we're gonna read about today are just yeah. dudes just <laughs> fucking assholes just dudes so dudes. when I edit just this white this will dudes be, yeah to be very specifically, yeah, yeah, just stupid white dudes who are probably incels. I think there are like three quarters of them are probably incels. 
forgot like a lot the of dudes are talking bad about. Bad, because I'm assuming mental illness has a lot to do with it. But like at the nope. same time, it's like I I I am mental. I I have mental illness, and it's like <laughs> I'm not doing that. So I don't know, man. It's a fine line to walk. <laughs> and there's a lot of us that have you know lower T trauma and capital T trauma, and don't mm-hmm. go and murder people. So we're just not. We're chilling. You know? Yeah, we're living our best lives, and they're not. So yeah, so we will get into the, today's topic. When I edit this, it'll be a two-parter. So the first half is going to be Katie doing her thing. Oh dear lord! And the second half is going to be me doing my thing while Katie makes fun of this person because <laughs> 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 she doesn't like him. Neither do I. You shouldn't no. either. Um, but we decided. And I thought this was great because, you know, she's obsessed with Scream, as I mentioned before, that we would talk about the cases that inspired Scream, the films. And there's uh, multiple, but these are the two main. Oh, my God. That's so cute. She has a water bottle with a sticker on it. (laughs) So background to the sticker. It says, you like scary movies, too. And it (laughs) it has our iconic ghost face on it. And my one of my best friends. 10 year old daughter bought this for me at her very first trip to Hot Topic. I could not be more proud about that statement. That's so cute. That's what we need in the world. We need little (laughs) tiny emo kids. Sorry, continue. We're all (laughs) scream. Yeah, uh, we we do need tiny emo kids. Um, They make the world a better place. (laughs) So, yeah, Katie's obsessed with Scream, so I yeah. will allow her. We will get into it now. So, Katie, you want to tell people if for some weird reason our listeners don't know what the Scream franchise is, give them a brief synopsis of, like, the oh, first movie. <laughs> so, currently, we are we have Scream 1, 2, 3, 4, Scream 2022, and then they just wrapped production on the untitled Scream. So, very excited about all of this. They are all, all of the original four were directed by Wes Craven, who is iconic. I don't know how to go into who Wes Craven is. Last uh, Cabin on the Left, Last House on the Left, Last Cabin on the Left, whatever it's called. (laughs) Cabin in the Woods? No, it's not that. It's different. Uh Last House on the Left. There we go. Last House on the Left. I almost said Last Podcast. Totally different thing. So, Wes Craven directed Last House on the Left. He directed uh, The Hills Have Eyes, the Love iconic um, Nightmare on Elm Street, most Love of that, that franchise. Um, and this is kind of born out of the last one he did, which was uh, Wes Craven's A New Nightmare, which is also kind of meta. So he um, was approached by, I believe, Kevin... Shit, hold on. Kevin Morrison? Hold, please. You're going to have to edit this out. Kevin no, Williamson. I was, like, I was like, Kevin Morrison is on Dateline. So he was approached <laughs> by. <laughs> He's iconic too. We'll throw him in here. He's leaning against shit, but he wasn't the one that wrote everything. So Kevin Williamson wrote Scream as originally titled Scary Movie, which is hilarious based on all of the satire that came after it. Um, he also wrote Dawson's Creek. He wrote um, I Know What You Did Last Summer, different things like that. So. It really was about very much a different type of slasher movie. So it wasn't, you know, one specific like Freddy or, you know, Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers just cutting bitches up because they didn't, and you didn't really care about any of the characters. 
you truly cared about Cindy Prescott and all of her friends and what was happening. And I think this isn't the first time you have the final girl, but for me, Sydney Prescott is the true one and only final girl. So story starts, you have um, Woodsboro, I believe it's California. You have iconic Drew Barrymore answering the phone, which no one would ever fucking do anymore. And, oh. you know, it starts with the whole iconic one, do you like scary movies? Want to play a game? What is your favorite scary movie? She was one of the first um, big names to really be signed on to the project. And obviously she's the first one that died. It was her idea because she originally was considered to be Sydney. And she's like, no, I think it'd be really cool if I was the first one that died. It's actually her face on the poster. I was just about to comment on that because I was like, they advertised the fuck out of that movie with her because she's a big celebrity. But, but she's like, in it for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Not I even. Like, I think it's like 12 minutes. Like her face on the poster doesn't look like her. I had to look it up today. I'm like, is this actually Drew Barrymore? I had to find it. Like, obviously, in the bowels of Reddit. It is her. Um, she gets killed um, after she watches her boyfriend get gutted. Ghostface continues to chase her, blah, blah, blah. It's, like, one of the worst scenes ever. Like, her guts are ripped out. She's hung up on, a sh- on the tree. Her parents are coming home, and he had, like, cut her windpipe, so she can't really talk. Ugh, it's a hot mess. And she's just, like, disemboweled and whatever. And scream, boom, we're in. Um, it's very meta because you have Randy, who is, like, the movie nerd, who's, like, there are rules to surviving a scary movie. And everything, you know, the sin factory, you can't drink or do drugs, you can't have sex, you never say, I'll be right back, whatever. Um, you also have her friends, her boyfriend, who obviously ends up being the killer. You have, so, Stu is her friend, who is dating. Alright, so, the main characters are... Theo Sydney, as I mentioned, who it's kind of based around her and the dealings with her mother. And, like, all of Scream really has to deal with her mother. God bless her soul. Um, poor Maureen Prescott. You have Sydney. You have Billy, who is her boyfriend, Ski Ulrich. Which, if you look at his picture on the poster, he does not look a thing like that in the movie. And I don't know what happened. Because he has, like, long, like, slick back hair and, like, a mustache. And that is not what Billy looks like in the movie at all. You looking it up? Yes. <laughs> he looks like everything. he looks like punk rock trash, and I don't understand. Not that punk rockers are trash. He looks like a trashy person who's also a punk rocker. <laughs> Why did it take me to the Etsy store, bro? I don't want to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you keep looking for that, okay? Okay. So then keep you also you. have um, Dewey, who is Sydney's best friend's older. Um, brother who's also a deputy who is a little shitty at his job to be nice you have tatum who is sydney's best friend who is dating Stu, who is the lovely the beautiful um matthew lillard um i have like a more strong appreciation for this man like as i've gotten older he's very weird i kind of dig his vibe and then you have randy who's the who's jamie kennedy who's just the weird like movie geek um who obviously looks like he should be the killer because they're basing things on scary movies and those archetypes and whatever, but he's not. Um, he does not look like the... Yeah, why did they put him on the poster like this? Right? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I think they literally were just like, 
the marketing team was just fucking with everybody. Like, no one's actually going to look like this in the movie. The main person who's on the poster is going to die minute 12. Fuck it. They let's just get crazy. Di- yeah, they all look different. It's a hot mess. Like, also, that, who, yeah. did, who did Drew Barrymore that dirty with that wig? That's all I'm saying. Homegirl's not, not meant boxes. to be not meant to be blonde with the white I mean, sweater. It's a cute bob, but like, it's just. Not with not, her skin tone. Not, it, the color of blonde wasn't giving what it's no. supposed to give. And know? look, Rose McGowan, too, should not be that blonde either because her hair looks terrible. I forgot what she looked like in this movie. Not pretty. Rose. And that is an attractive woman. She is She's giving. Very pretty. But not she gives in. every time. Oh, no, yeah. no, it's like a weird corn color. And it like looks weird with the green sweater. Yeah, it's a hot ass mess. But yeah, anyway. we're really trying to like face <laughs> it on. Podcast. I know it's a hot mess. Sorry. <laughs> no, but <you're> good. <laughs> it's really trying to do the whole. Um, so if y'all haven't seen this movie, I don't know what you've been doing with your life, but. <laughs> The end of the first one, it's Billy and Stu murdering everybody because, surprise, there's two killers. And um, Billy is mad because Maureen Prescott um, fucked his dad and caused his mom to leave and left him all alone and wah, wah, wah. And then <laughs> Stu's motive is, like, peer pressure. And they always say it's here if there is no motive, which is true. So they end up trying to frame... Sydney's dad for the whole thing because uh, I also forgot uh, Maureen Prescott was murdered and Sydney said that um, Cotton Weary which is also the worst fucking name of a character I don't know what Kevin was doing said that <laughs> Cotton Weary um, was the murderer he was not turned to find out that Billy and Stu did they killed her framed Cotton and then they're doing this whole elaborate scheme to get back at Sydney because I her love their war. scenes at the end of that movie, the Stu and Billy scenes. They're God, it's just iconic. Fun. It's just, <laughs> but like, and I've done a lot of thinking about it because if you think about it, so Maureen Prescott, and like the beginning of the movie, they talk about how she was raped and murdered, right? She saw Cotton Weary leave the house in his jacket. And, like, this denim jacket, whatever. Oh, fuck. I didn't even talk about Gail Weathers. Sorry. So, <laughs> there's just, like, a whole okay. thing. She's, like, a news reporter. No, time. but she's in a fucking icon. And they do she her is. they do her hair dirty later in the in the Scream series, which we have to even <laughs> talk about. Um, but Gail Weathers wrote a book because she believes Cotton is innocent. Um, she comes to try to talk about the murders and, like, the anniversary of Maureen's death. Sydney punches her in the face, as you do, because um, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I'll bring you a copy of my book. Boom! Punch her in the teeth. <laughs> but Sydney, um, Gail ends up saving Sydney and Randy's life, and everything's fine. But, um, so if you, if Maureen is raped and murdered, okay, supposedly, and Billy killed her, did Billy rape her mother? Right? They never address this, so I'm just going to say, from my point of view, I don't think so. I think Maureen fucked Billy, or fucked, uh, Maureen fucked Cotton, then Billy killed her. Because I can't get to that level of depravity. I can't. In my head. But, I mean, you know, you think like I do, you think deep into things, so. I've also listened to conservatively 15 hours. 
on screen. So that see, that's why I told y'all she's an expert at this. She be asking the hard hitting questions. No, it's just a hot ass month. So at the end of you know Scream One, we have Sydney Prescott, who's Nev Campbell, Gail Weathers, Courtney Cox, David Arquette. Somehow that man is still alive, and Randy. <laughs> okay, Scream Two, they go to um, college. It, no, that's not my favorite. Um, but you have Billy's mom who comes back as the murderer, and then um, Mickey, who's like a new character because obviously you're gonna have new college friends, whatever. And he's just a crazy psychopath. And he also tries to say that her new boyfriend, whom she loves, is um, was in on it with him. He's like, oh, there's always two. There are always two. Where could I? I couldn't be everywhere at once. And then, obviously, he didn't do it. He shoots him. He's like, he would have been the perfect person to take home to mom if you had a mom. And that's my favorite line from the entire, like, scream, too. Like, I don't care. Randy dies, but you still have, somehow, you have um, Courtney Cox that lives, Sydney Prescott, even though she gets shot and shit. You have, and you have Deputy Dewey, Okay. So you have those three. But there's a time in my life where me and Randy would have been making out in the corner somewhere. I'm just saying. I mean, he's not. Uh, I didn't say he was ugly. I just said that he looked scary, which is the point, because he's supposed to be like the. At one point, they're like, well, if I could be the killer, then you could be the killer. Like him and like Deputy are talking or the mm-hmm. Dewey are talking. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, we're not. So it's fine. Um, but anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, and there was a lot of drama that happened around Scream 2 because everyone's, oh, fuck, and that's where they, they introduced Stab as well, which is the movie about Scream inside Scream, which we need to get back. Like, at the end of this fucked up rambling synopsis, we need to talk about the Stab series because I have a lot to say about it. Um, so all of that happens as well because they take the true crime book and turn that Gail has written about the Woodsboro murders and turn it into the uh, movie Stab, which of course happens in real life all the effing time. Then you get Scream 3, which is Bloodless. It's the only one that Kevin Williamson did not write. Okay. Um, I don't know who wrote it. I don't care. Um, <laughs> not, no, listen, it's not because I don't care. It's just I don't, I don't, I'm not going to a movie because somebody wrote it. Right? I get you. I go to a movie because ri- I'm like, you know what, it's great. Writers. Yeah, people, well, people don't become writers because they want attention and fame. People become writers because I don't they want to be all. creative. I, I, oh. don't, I don't believe it at all. But well, that's where I come from. It, that's so. what I'm saying. Some people want fame <laughs> and some people don't. But I guess. Anyway. Daniel Weathers wanted fame. Okay, well, yeah, but she's like a news reporter. I that's know. different. She's a trash reporter and I love her name. Um, she also had really, really awful streaks, like red, like chunky Kelly Clarkson type highlights in Scream 2, um, to where Deputy Dewey says to her whenever they're reunited, um, nice streaks, which makes me happy. Uh, (laughs) nice streaks. (laughs) Oh, ew. Girl, I'm telling you, we've all been there. Damn. We've all been there. That looks like my hair like a week ago when I tried to bleach it. <laughs> and then I had to dye it all black because I messed it up so bad. Listen, it happens. I, I have pictures <laughs> I can send you of shit that I paid for people to do to my hair. And Ew, her bangs. Up. No, listen, I'm not there yet. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. It gave me. Sorry. Continue. Okay, so in continue. Scream 3, Stab 3. Yep. 
so they are in the process of shooting stab three and ghostface has has returned he is trying to kill people off um in the order that they get killed off in the movie and like you know the screen movies are very much known for like the big opening things and the big murders you had drew barrymore in the first one you had jada pinkett smith in the second one which was like so fucked then you have in this one you have caught where finally getting what's coming to him and at this point you know They've had the ghost face voice changer, but in the third one, they have the weird voice changer that makes everybody sound like everybody else. Okay. So, like, I could be talking to you and it would sound like me, but it's truly ghost face. Okay. Have you ever seen this? Uh, I have seen the first Scream movie. I can't handle you. Oh, I have seen the first Scream movie. I've seen the one with Emma Roberts. Which is four, which is my jam. Okay. I know you don't like it. No, and then I've seen the recent one that just came out with Jenna Ortega. God, it's so fucking good. Okay, so... And I've seen every scary movie. I have not. (laughs) Because those are funny as hell. (laughs) It makes me uncomfortable. Like, that, like, kind of, like, weird comedy just makes me uncomfortable, and I can't. (laughs) Also, like, it just makes me sad, because it just makes fun of everything that, like, truly terrified me in my life, and I'm not... And it makes me feel like I'm an asshole for being scared of stuff. So I don't like it. But <laughs> I'm, do I do I take everything personally? Absolutely. But, <laughs> but um, so Scream 3, basically it's a movie set. Um, do you want me to spoil it since you haven't seen it? I don't. I don't. I, yeah, you can. I'm not going to watch any of these. Surprise. <laughs> the killer is the director who turns out to be Dun Dun Dun. Sydney's half brother, because oh, Lorraine shit. Prescott, they find out, had actually been um, Rena Reynolds, who was an actress at the time. And there's this whole like, if you want to be an actress, you know, you have to get into at these parties. And there's this whole like Harvey Weinstein type person, who basically is like, yeah, you had to fuck everybody. You know, it's not for innocent people. Blah blah blah. So she got pregnant, had um, had this baby. And gave him away, right? Mm-hmm. He ended up finding his mother. I believe his name is Roman. Hold on. I'll make sure I don't fuck this up. It should have been Roman. It wasn't Roman. Yeah, Roman. So she gave up Roman. He found her and she said, You were not my child you were rena reynolds baby which is cold as fuck i'm like no that was a past life i don't want to deal with you um also like he is very much a sign that she was raped and had to do a bunch of stuff that she probably didn't necessarily want to do but that's still cold as hell um and so obviously it all comes down to people with mommy issues that end up killing people Mm -hmm. so we also talk about that later when it turns like the true crime cases jason Norman mm-hmm. Bates. Every other white man. <laughs> All the white men. This is why everybody needs therapy. Yes. But, please go to therapy. Um, if you take anything away from this episode today, please let it be. Go to therapy. Therapy. Brought to you by BetterHelp. But. Not them. Um, oh, God. <laughs> not them. I'm just saying promo code. So, promo code Victoria. Um, so. <laughs> so. All this happens. They die. Scream 3 is notable because there's almost no blood. And there's a lot of, like, humor in it. Yeah, didn't you and... say it was called Bloodless? 
yeah, it's pretty much the bloodless one because it happened in it was released in 2000 and mm. Columbine happened in 99. Okay. And so a lot of people were blaming media, Marilyn Manson, who's problematic as fuck, which I'm not going to get into. Um, you know, rock music, rap, all that shit, as opposed to, hey, these people needed therapy. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, and they were just psychopaths and just going to go with what they did. But that was kind of a callback to what was happening in real life, and that's why they kind of dialed it back. Then in 2000 and hold on, 2011, you get Scream 4, which to me is exactly what you want it to be when you get something 11 years later. Like Scream 3, close it off, think you're done. No, no. So in Scream 4, you have Sydney Prescott, who has now written a book called Out of Darkness or some bullshit about how she's overcome her trauma. And she's on this book tour and blah, blah, blah. And she comes back to Woodsboro as part of her tour. And people start dying. And, like, her, she has to stay with her aunt and her cousin, who's Emma Roberts. Um, all of Emma Roberts' friends are like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, your, you know, your cousin is Sydney, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, obviously, Emma Roberts' character, it kind of feels a little bit... Um, in the shadows there is um, not Randy Randy is two people now right as you are as you do as you do um, and they're in the cinema club which makes it sound so much cooler it doesn't um, and basically the new rules are that you have to be either gay or basically you have to be gay or a virgin in order to get to stay alive um Please. So Jill. Jill is the name of um, is the name of Emma Roberts' character. All of her friends end up dying around her. Um, they, it's very meta. Like there's a Ghostface app. All this shit. Come to find out, it's her and this guy who's like we're gonna be like Stu and Billy, who's like one part of the cinema club. Mm-hmm. Oh, please, I can't remember these people. Characters stupid so line in that movie she says I don't need friends I need fans I have fans I want fans <laughs> no here's the thing it's like I get it cause if you're a fucking narcissist like that like in the whole like influencer generation and all this shit that everyone's growing up with now I sound like I'm a million years old and I understand it um yeah if you're that narcissistic yeah you're just gonna murder everybody and it doesn't matter but it has one of the best, like, so, like, she's trying to make it look like it's her boyfriend who, you know, he fucks you, dumps you, and doesn't even make you famous, and she shoots him in the dick, and then all this stuff, right? Okay. Even your boyfriend was bad? Yeah, so good. <laughs> well, she kills her accomplice, and he has, like, the most stupid fucking, like, death scenes ever he's just giving like the most like (laughs) and i'm like i don't i don't care like (laughs) i just fucking die already that's the problem like i don't care if horror is not written correctly the the biggest 
the most important thing in horror specifically is characters. So you always want to start with writing characters first because the point of that is is that you need to make your reader care about them or at least have some kind of attachment to them. That way when they die or all the terrible shit starts popping off, then yeah. you actually care and it becomes more detrimental. But a lot of the times horror writers think of the scary shit first and then throw in a bunch of people and then when they die, like you just said, you don't give a fuck. No, like I... <laughs> So his name was Charlie. So I care about Charlie's death. Um, but he's a Culkin. So mm-hmm. like from like the actor obviously is a Culkin and he's very much an incel when it comes to like murdering people. Um, you know, four years of classes together and you choose now to notice me. And all this bullshit. So he kills uh Kirby or attempts to kill her. Supposedly she is back in Scream Five, which is like a title nod to it. But um, he's very much in Sully, but his just acting at that point was just way overkill and stupid. But if you were going to pretend like you were attacked, right? How often do we see these in true crime cases? Okay. You have like small, superficial defensive wounds, right? Super small, super like, uh, super small cut, like very superficial, all the shit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh, not Emma <laughs> Roberts in this movie. There's so many times where I hear podcasts like, oh, they have superficial cuts. I'm like, have you seen Scream 4? This is how you do it. Which is not the appropriate reaction to have. No, but, but it's a reaction, so it's not fine. No, this bitch <laughs> takes the knife, sprints into the doorframe, so it stabs her in the shoulder super deep. She grabs her dead boyfriend's hand at this point, like, pulls, like, hunks of her hair out. She scratches, like, her face and his, like, with his nails, with his, like, dead hands. She chucks herself, like, onto, like, a glass table. She's royally fucked up. And I'm like, this is how you do it! <laughs> I think you texted me that one time. I did. I did. Okay. Yeah. And I, for what I would remember. Yeah, that always irritates me. Not that I want the killer to ever like succeed in real life, but when when people are trying to be like, I was defending myself, it's like, babes, Everyone else here got shot, like, very badly, and you got shot in the hand. AKA, it was Diane Downs who was That's like, literally what I was yeah. talking about just now. <laughs> Diane Downs, man. <laughs> Fucking idiot. <sighs> anyway, so, don't worry, she gets it. She ends up getting, like, defibrillated, like, into the head, which is just, like, the best. And then, like, where Scream 3 had no blood, Scream 4 had all of it. So, like, all of it. Later. <laughs> like... Like, ripped the guts out of this girl, like, dumped them all out, like, laid them, like, on her, like, presented it. It was just, like, just dripping. Entire, like, bedrooms just dripping with blood. It was the fucking gnarliest shit. Like, um, a cop gets stabbed through the ear or, like, through the head. Like, in, no, in the forehead. In the fucking forehead, which is just a mess. I can't. It makes me vomit. I can't. Um, so good. So good. And then I'm not going to spoil Scream 5 because I've only seen it once in theaters. So I don't remember it that well. I just remember it's fucking amazing. <laughs> um, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And it's just one of those things of that was the one that was not directed by Wes Craven, but I think they did such a good job of like recreating like the feeling of it. Because mm-hmm. I was obviously nervous about this is very, like it's a, almost like a new class. You know what I mean? And I very much felt kind of old because it obviously younger people now but god it's still so good it's so good and the I'm best thing about scream good, is it is it's truly like 
it could be anybody behind that mask. Mm-hmm. And they're not superhuman. You know, they're not Jason Voorhees. They're not, you know, they're stumbling around, falling down, being idiots, mm-hmm. getting bikes thrown at them when they're, they're like running teenagers. out the stairs. <laughs> exactly. They're just stupid fucking people. And it's just, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. I love it so much. And I'm glad that the remake was good because, well, I mean, the first one came out in like the late 90s, so there was like versions of cell phones, but I'm 96. talking about like, okay. And, th- so, and that was like a huge plot point because Billy had a cell phone that fell out of his pocket. Like, sir, why do you have this mobile phone? Because <laughs> I was telling my friend who's a horror buff the other day, I was like, I prefer originals to remakes, so I'm talking yeah. like. 60s and 70s and like early 80s horror movies because haven't you still never seen Psycho though? Yeah, I have many okay, times. You just, hadn't read, you just hadn't read the book. Yeah, I just hadn't read the book. Okay. I did read okay. it though, and I loved it. Um, okay, but I don't like modern remakes. Like the remake of Carrie they made with in like 2011 well, yeah. with Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah, yeah, because. The addition of cell phones and, like, technology make a lot of things obsolete because in older ones, like one of my favorite movies, Evil Dead, um, you're in a cabin in the woods. You don't have a phone. You don't have a computer. You don't have a radio. You have nothing because that movie was made in, like, the 70s. So it adds another layer of horror because you're like, these people are in an area where they cannot escape. They cannot contact anybody. It's literally them against monsters. When you bring Carrie into the 2010s and people have cell phones, it's like, why didn't somebody at that prom call someone? Why didn't somebody, why didn't someone say Google? Why am I bleeding from my vagina? That too. Like why it makes everything obsolete and you don't buy into it. And therefore it's less scary. So, oh, no. I am happy that the new Scream was good. <laughs> Carrie's so good. Carrie? Yeah, I love Carrie. Gotcha. It's one of my favorite. It's like in my top five favorite horror movies of all time. Ah, so good. So good. So good. Thank um, you for that rundown, though. That was very impressive. <laughs> that was not. I could do that. It better. was, though. I'll, I'll redo it and I'll send it to you later. <laughs> no! <laughs> We're keeping this. We're keeping this. <laughs> um, but but we were t- I said I wanted to circle back to the stab movies because yeah there's so like growing up with the Scream franchise like you never think about how fucked that is mm-hmm. right like but of course like Sydney Prescott literally is being hunted down by assholes for like majority of her life like there's a line in Scream Five where Dewey's like do you have a gun she's like my name is, she's like, I'm Sydney Prescott, of course I have a gun. Because she can't, right? Like, she can't. Like, in Scream 3, like, her trauma is, like, in PTSD is, like, half of the movie. So, the fact that, of course, like, true crime writers are going to be, like, Dale, God bless her, are writing these books, and they're being optioned and turned into movies. So, literally, people are looking at her trauma as enjoyment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as she's still alive and still has to deal with it and figure out her own story and still being hunted. Like, I never fully reckoned with that. And, you know, as people who are true crime fans and things like that, I think that's one of the things that we, or at least I, really try to think about and be cognizant of, is that this is a person's life. This is a person's, like, the worst day of a person's life. And this mm-hmm. is not entertainment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's knowledge. It's education for us, I think, especially as women. 
who unfortunately become, you know, the victims of stuff. But like the whole, um, like all the Ted Bundy shit, and it's like, like it's can shit we stop? Can like, we chill, Netflix? Like, can we please stop making movies? We don't need any more. But it's just one of the things of like it shouldn't be about glamorizing the murder. It should be about the victims and the survivors and telling mm-hmm. their story. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fine. If you want to make a movie about the victims, go. I mean, as long as the families are okay with it, then go for exactly. it. But I'm tired of seeing Zac Efron being like I watched that movie and it irritates me because most of the movie is him being a father, being a husband. So and I'm like Liz's book, which I haven't read. It's out of print. But yeah, it's one of those things where like and I understand. I think they're trying to say like, well, this is why I didn't see it coming. But also there was a lot of things about her experience that were left out. Mm-hmm. Um, but he like he roasted someone's head in her fucking fireplace. He was a necrophile, and no one talks about the shit. They just talk about like how hot he was. But his his eyebrows were offensive. Yeah, yeah. But, period. Like, it's just one of those things where I never, I never thought about the stab movies that much. It's like, oh, this is just meta again for you know kind of meta sake. But if you sit and think about. Being Sydney Prescott, having to deal with a movie about your life and how you're almost murdered, about how your mom was murdered. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's that's terrifying. So it really is. And I think that's why the true crime community gets kind of like a bad rap because of yeah. people like that who want to capitalize off of it. And the All normal the true crime. Stuff. Yeah, the normal true crime viewer and listener i think is doing it because they're genuinely interested in the psychology part of it and like the learning about this person's life because whether you like it or not it is history it's yeah. the whole point of this podcast crime traveling <laughs> um, <laughs> uh and it you can learn things from it and we can learn things about people and their brains and how they function and hopefully to be able to help people like that in the prison system yada 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 it's a yeah. whole thing but at the same time, it's like you always have those a-holes that are thrown in there that ruin it for everybody. Yeah. And it sucks. And, like, one of the things specifically around, you know, Ted Bundy and Netflix and stuff, which is not who we're talking about, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But No, you're good. <laughs> in the Ted Bundy tapes, so, like, Ted Bundy's longtime girlfriend that broke up with him because he wasn't good enough, who he, quote, unquote, modeled all his victims off of, but they were all just brown hair with hair part in the middle. They had never released her name. They gave her a fake name for years. And they fucking mentioned her real name in the Ted Bundy tapes. To where I, like, stopped. I was like, wait. So we're just gonna pretend like this is this is okay? We're just gonna pretend like, we, like we're just naming this woman who has nothing to do with anything? It's a no for me, sis. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Netflix has no, no, no morals. (laughs) Like, Netflix really doesn't. I've learned that. Like, when that, I, again, this is not, whatever, it relates to everything. It's fine. This is a two-parter. I don't give a fuck. Uh, It could be a three-parter if we need it to be. (laughs) Um, But that recent show that just came out with Elle Fanning on Hulu about that girl that told her boyfriend to kill himself in the truck. I don't remember what it's called, but you know what I'm talking about. I know her last name is Carter for obvious reasons, but her, once again, offensive eyebrows. Elle Fanning, 
Her eyebrow, homegirl's eyebrows are offensive. It's called the girl from Plain- Plainville. Ugh. Yeah. So I don't under. Okay. And I've said this on the podcast before. I'll say it for you because I don't know if you've even heard the episode this is on. But I always say with true crime media, when people are making it and directing it, directors always have an agenda. Whether it's yeah. a good or bad agenda, there is one. So my definition of a good agenda is the Eileen Warnos movie, Monster, starring Charlize yeah. Theron and Christina Ricci. That one is great because the director clearly went into it saying we're going to show you the good, the bad, the ugly, how it was laid out, and you as a viewer can make your own assumptions at the end of the film. That is how all true crime media should be made, but sadly, you have stuff like this and the Ted Bundy movie with Zac Efron that has the longest fucking title of my entire life, and I'm not going (laughs) to look it up. Uh, (laughs) It's what the judge said. The judge said it. It's a quote from the judge, which is dumb, but really that dumb. movie, there's too many scenes of Ted Bundy being a good person in that movie. The yeah. director is, I left that movie thinking, is this director trying to make me like him? Right. Like that. And, and I don't do know it? if that was his move, but that's how it was made. It was made very right. careful and it was made very leaning very heavily on being a good wife, wife husband, and a right. father, and not on the killing part. Not that, I'm hey, not t- I roasted someone's head in my girlfriend's fucking fireplace and, like, yes. to visit my victim's dead bodies and degrade them. Yes. So, that those are the two. Monster is good. <laughs> that movie is terrible. Monday's bad. Yeah. And I think Girl from Plainville, I have not watched it. I have heard good things about it, but I have a feeling because it's starring L Fanning that because she's famous, a lot of it focuses on her and not the guy. Have you you read the the text messages or heard slash read the text messages that she sent? On a documentary, I heard bits and pieces. Uh, Not everything because there's thousands, but whatever. Fuck. Yeah, it's not great. Nope. Anyway, true crime anyway. is horrendous. It's great. Love this. Yeah. Love this so now night. that we know about Scream and we are 50 minutes into this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, we will y'all. now throw it again to Katie to tell us about two of the three cases we're talking about. Because yeah, there's, so- uh, there's a lot of different. You could honestly say that most slasher people inspired scream but these three specifically two of which she will be telling you today are two of the main ones that inspired the first scream movie so um to acknowledge my sources i have a pride source article um called billy and stew i have different podcasts that i've listened to so unspooled with paul Shear and can't remember her name god bless them um (laughs) unspooled there's a scream episode Last podcast on the left did a series on Leopold and Loeb, which I'm going to be referencing. There's a homicide.northwestern.edu article, a pbs.org article, um, an Oxygen article, and a Reddit thing. But that's mainly just for the screen poster. So I'm not going to get sued by people. So here are my sources. So a lot of people have talked about, um, obviously... The screen murders are based on someone that Victoria is going to talk about. Um, but specifically in the Unspooled episode, they were talking about whether or not they got kind of like a 
an undertone that Stu and Billy were in love, right? Because, like, Stu specifically is very, like, handsy. He has no sense of personal space. I think he just likes to make people uncomfortable. He is obviously a murderer. But it's just one of those things, like, he always has, like, his hands like and, like, arms, like, wrapped around people. Um, to be, to make sure I know who is who, Stu is shaggy, right? Correct. Okay, yeah. just Matthew making Willard. sure. Yep. Yes, I know him as Shaggy. That's when I first saw him in the Scooby Doo not movies. To be, not to be confused with Shaggy, the rap artist, the R&B. No, artist. no, no one, it yeah, me. it wasn't. It wasn't me. Yeah, it what, no, it wasn't. It yeah, wasn't either of us. Not, not today. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Matthew Lillard's character Stu is very like handsy and like in it and like whatever. So while um, they were talking about Scream the movie, they did some googling and apparently. Kevin Williamson actually did confirm in a pridesource.com article that I mentioned earlier that they are loosely based on um, uh, the killers Leopold and Loeb. So. Noise. Before we get into earlobe, I need to get my charger. Earlobe. My computer. <laughs> so you can say whatever you want. Heather did this the last time. She just talked about uh, pay for, no, telephone situation. So say whatever you want. Elephants. Yeah, so basically, it's a hot ass mess. I don't remember Leopold and Loeb's first names. They're Nathan and Richard. I may fuck that up at some point during this. It's not on purpose, but they are murdered and it does not matter. I'm back. <laughs> Alright, at one point your screen froze and it looked like you were a demon coming back in and it was really scary. What happened? Yeah, at one point like your screen got like kind of froze a little bit. Oh, okay. It looked like you were a demon coming back in the frame and it was really scary. I am. I've seen The Conjuring enough times I'm probably possessed. No! <laughs> <laughs> Don't be scared you do this shit that. to me. I hate you so much. I, I met the, two of the actors in it. They're fine. It, <laughs> I hate you so much. I just, I think I just have to seriously think about like, oh, they're terrified, they're levitating, you know. You get Selma Blair, Jesus Christ, Linda Blair, with all of her Regan makeup on, and then eventually they have to go to craft services and eat like that. You know what I mean? It's like that picture of Vecna from Stranger Things at the Starbucks. That's the only thing (laughs) that keeps me thinking about. You know, everything is fine. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Like. You, Jason has to go to craft services and get some cheese and crackers. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, the person who was Ghostface in Scream was never allowed to be on set near the other actors. They actually wanted him to be terrifying. Oh, oh, period. See, she knows fun facts. <laughs> All kinds of fun shit. Don't Her life is a scream. Anyways, continue with earlobe. <laughs> scream, scream, scream. So, I like that you call them earlobe, and I'm here for it. So, <laughs> it really is more of like a. To me, it feels more like a dynamic of the two of them because their crime really has nothing to do with anything in Scream. It's not quite vintage for you, but almost. So, they're, I wrote in my notes, they are rich and smart dicks who were bored and lived in a fantasy world and they wanted to commit the perfect crime to show that they could. Period. They did not. Period. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be kind to these people because I don't think they deserve it. Um, so 1924 in Chicago. 1924? Um, 1924, you're welcome. See? I'm so excited. <laughs> Good job, Told you, it's not, it's not quite vintage, but here we go. 
So Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb. So I, I said this while you were gone. I don't know if I'm going to remember their first names. I'm just going to be calling them Leopold and Loeb because that's what we got. But they were very much intellectually gifted and they came for money. Like, not quite Rockefeller money, but money. Okay. Like a lot, like a lot of money. Like, like a lot, like more than us, more than like probably like rich housewives money because they just steal shit and go to crime, go to prison for it. But True. they came from money, money. So at the time yeah. of the murder, they were both teenagers. Leopold was 18, um, was a law student and a believer in Nietzsche's concept of the Ubermensch, right? Which basically is like Superman and all that shit, which you know, is problematic and it's the 20s and it's right before, you know, Hitler came into power and you know, it's just fucked. So just don't, that just sets the scene, right? Yeah. Like just believe that he's a better than most people and it is what it is. And then Richard Loeb was 17, had recently graduated from the University of Michigan and planned to begin law school in the fall. He was obsessed with um, the idea of the perfect crime. So Loeb was pretty much the one who was like super into murder and seeing how much they can get away with and leopold was just super into pleasing slope okay just kind of keep that in mind okay um i will say i saw conflicting notes about their ages like wikipedia mm-hmm. said they were 18 and 19 but pbs says that they were 17 and 18 and i frankly trust pbs more but just trying to get facts straight as you should from viewers like you thank you there you go the more you know. Um, so from PBS.com, it says the two boys seemed an odd match. Quote, Dickie, which makes my heart happy. Dickie Loeb um, charmed everyone with his good looks and cool manner, which very much sounds like Skeet Ulrich as Billy in <laughs> Scream, right? Like just super hot with like the weird, you know. Um, 90s floppy face. Leonardo DiCaprio middle part. <laughs> the, the face framing bangs that we all knew and love and just like super greasy. Um, and a war, awkward looking, sorry, that's why I said award, Jesus Christ, awkward looking Nathan Leopold, AKA Matthew fucking Lillard tended to hide, um, in his friend's shadow. So also fun fact, Matthew Lillard auditioned for Billy, the Ulrich, and they're like, yeah, no, but we have the really awkward, ugly friends. If you want to, we think you'd be perfect for him, which just makes me sad. That happened in Thor. Tom Hiddleston well, auditioned for Thor, and then he got Loki, the brother. Well, he also can't be... He can't be a Viking. I, I, yeah. <laughs> we, we both know that we would both do dirty, dirty things to that man. Listen, I didn't think we needed all to put day. that on the podcast, but it is on the podcast now. Sorry, it's on your Instagram. It's on the internet. It's for the world. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Listen, <laughs> I shouldn't I, he, be ashamed he, of it. He's a tall. He, he's the closest thing I'm ever gonna get from to Victor from the Corpse Bride, <sighs> and that's just all I'm gonna have to. And he's taken. He's having a baby. Different. I mean, like a seahorse. No, like he, no, his <laughs> wife is. <laughs> no, his wife is having a baby. It took you too long to get that joke. It makes me sad. I um, did. I'm so sorry. It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm really excited about that for him. Love that for him. Love his I life. do too. It's going to be a cute little mix, baby. I'm glad they're procreating and setting the DNA into the world. Um, so awkward looking Nathan Leopold slash Matthew Lillard t- tended to hide in his friend's shadow. Once again, this is from PBS.com. Uh, both the two young men formed a powerful bond. 
Nathan was in love with Richard Dickey. I'm just going to keep calling him Dickey and Dick because it makes me happy. Um, and would do anything he wanted for sexual favors. So, Nathan Leopold, he was the one who, you know, he had gay tendencies. He was gay. Like, he had a like, whole fantasy life about being someone's, I hate this word, slave. Um, and doing anything to appease his master and, like, all this shit. So he very much is like, whatever, I will do whatever you want as long as you let me fuck you type of thing. Okay, That's the one that's the leader, Two. right? Uh, that is That's Nathan. the awkward one? Yeah. Okay, just checking. Just checking. Makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just making sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll do anything you want. Just let me fuck you. Um, And Nathan later wrote that Leopold's friendship was necessary to me. Terribly necessary. And said his motive for the murder was to please Dick, a.k.a. Richard, a.k.a. Loeb. So to please Dick with Dick. Exactly. Like, it's one of the <laughs> things of, I think, and we probably see this not not necessarily in the Carlo Homoka, um I was literally like, just going to bring them up. Oh, my God. Did you, you know read what I mean? my mind? But, like, <laughs> I think Carlo would have done some fucked up shit if it wasn't for... Uh, Bernardo, but I don't. I don't think it would have been as fucked up. Uh, I think she would have done like tax fraud. Nah, she would have fucked some shit up. She enjoyed it too much. Okay, yeah, you're right. Never mind. I forgot who we were talking about. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. If you don't, don't know, know who we're talking about, for people who are don't know, it's a Canadian couple. They're called the Cannon Barbie Killers, which is the dumbest name I've ever heard in my life. They don't and like. It's just because they're blonde and white. Um, but basically, it was a couple that would, like, kidnap girls and bring them back to their house and then kill them. Carla tried to say a, that... What happened? Uh, uh, Ted Bernardo was also... Or Paul Bernardo was also the Scarborough rapist before he hooked up with Carla Homolka. Okay, there we go. He's been and doing so, some fucked up shit for a long time. Yeah, so then she got... I'm not saying it's, like, whatever... She got got with him, and then they started killing people together. And then in court, she tried to say that she had battered spouse syndrome. And if you act, they I don't. It's not public viewing, but there are photos apparently of like Carla being active during all of these killings. So that's how they were like, "Yeah, you actually did this." She's out of jail now, uh-huh. uh, so living life. I think she got out in like the early two thousands. Yeah. I believe there was someone who wrote in uh, like a listener tale. I think to to morbid saying they were in a pregnancy group with somebody that turned out to be fucking Carla Hamoka and like I couldn't come back from that. No nope. why I'm not saying my kids' names. I'm just not. But <laughs> I just I just can't I can't handle people and it's just fucking gross. But Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I di- I digress. So he basically said, I only did it to make him happy. And they did, like, some petty crimes. They would break into people's houses, just kind of see what they got away with. But what was the one with the murderous fantasies? As I mentioned, a.k.a. the Billy. So Nathan, Leopold, and Stu, obviously. It wasn't even about the murder itself. They just wanted to see if they could get away with it. Once again, because they're bored, rich fucks. Um, They had one million ideas and plans, but ended up driving around and picking up this young... Sweet baby angel named Bobby Frank, who's a 14-year-old neighbor, because they're fucking idiots, and they can't pick up a stranger, and they decide to pick up somebody they actually know, right? A neighbor. Um, murdered him with a chisel and stuffed his body into a large pipe. Um, once again, 
I'm not trying to tell you how to do your murderous job. Okay? I'm not trying. But the way they dispose of the body, they left his, like, his body, like, his body didn't fit inside the pipe because they didn't, originally they had, the way they had staked it out is they thought it'd be a younger person, a smaller child, and they didn't realize that a 14-year-old boy is not going to fit in the pipe. So his, like, half of his body was sticking out. Once again, I'm not trying to tell you how to dispose of a body. I'm just saying if you are trying to commit the perfect murder, that's not it. Um, Smart people aren't murderers. That is correct. I They're like scientists that. and doctors and stuff. And engineers and podcasters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they sent Bobby's parents a ransom note demanding $10,000 in unmarked bills. And I looked this up. It'd be $173,260.82. So that's a lot of money. They, yes, we love a conversion on this show. I converge all the time. <laughs> so that's in Good today's job. money, uh, according to in2013dollars.com, which, I mean, that was nine years ago. With inflation being what it is, I would assume it's probably roughly 175000 Yeah. I feel like that's a safe assumption. We'll be fine yeah. with that. No one's going to sue us over that. Okay. No. So this is all part of their plan to let the parents believe that their son was still alive. They would get the ransom money and hopefully buy time for, like, you know, the body to, unfortunately, like, decompose and stuff like that to, like, remove any evidence that could be found. Which, obviously, is the 20s. I don't think there's going to be a ton of evidence anyway. Um, like, DNA evidence, things like that. Um, they'll probably just do, like, some cocaine about it still. But, so, buy them some time so the, parent, the police wouldn't be contacted. Um, they thought the Frank family would just pay the money to get their son back. And then I wrote a note in here saying, I was going to say this is similar to the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. That actually happened three years later. So just setting that into, you know, your timeline. As I mentioned, they underestimated the size of the pipe in the body. Um, therefore, his body was quickly discovered. From PBS.com on May 21st, 1924, Leopold and Loeb. Blah, 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 blah. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I already said that stuff. Don't worry about it. Um, so before Mr. Frank could pay the ransom, police discovered the child's body. There was nothing linking the criminals to the crime except for a single pair of glasses. Um, they traced these glasses to a Chicago optometrist who had prescribed them for Nathan Loeb. Apparently, there was he like... He left a pair of glasses at the... I wrote in all caps. Who doesn't keep their glasses on their face if you're disposing a body? Also, if you don't need them on your face, leave them in the fucking car. What are you doing? I'm not telling you how to get away with this, but you're a fucking idiot. If That's you're sitting there so like, stupid. I'm the ubermensch. I'm supermensch. I'm so smart. So don't just drop my glasses. Like, d- y'all didn't even have phones to be leaving around. That was the only thing that you didn't have to leave and you left it. Like, <sighs> so funny fucking stupid but it's like one of those things of like i think it's like a special type of like hinge or something in his glasses that the optometrist had only done for like three people in the entire city so it was very easy to like narrow this down also like i'm not saying buy shit from walmart but like if you're not like buy things that can't be traced back to you if you're going to leave them at a murder scene. I just hate... When was I Walmart just... invented? I don't know. 
I bet you're going to find out. I am. <laughs> I like that you say invented, not um, founded. It was invented. Um, okay, Sam Walton, 1962. Yeah, so it's been a minute. All right, so they Arkansas. Oh, God bless Arkansas. Okay. Anyways, back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> um, so, Leopold and Loeb's friendship quickly devolved, dissolved, excuse me, after they were arrested, as it always does. They both confessed mm-hmm. in great detail, but said, no, actually, it wasn't me. It was the other guy who did the actual killing blow. Of course. Um, the two people always, that's the same with Carla Homoka and Paul. Until they realized it was on tape, because they're also fucked. Um, because yeah. folks love in the bees taping shit. We're gonna get into that soon. Um, mm-hmm. oh, we are. I, that's all I, know about. I don't know anything about this case. The next case she's gonna talk about in a minute, I do know about. So, from homicide.northwestern.edu, quote, both Leopold and Loeb made many incriminated statements to the press because this is not a quote because people can't shut their fucking mouth. And describe their plans to commit this crime and their elaborate self-justifications for the murder, including the, the invocation of German philosophers such as Nietzsche, as I mentioned. Their friendship had been marked by fantasies and delusions of grandeur, highly ritualized games, and elaborate plots and counterplots, and planning to carry out previous criminal acts together. Um, they escaped the death penalty and were sentenced to life imprisonment for the murder and 99 years for kidnapping. Da-dong. Bye, bitch. It's just sad. Like, especially if you have all that money and all that potential and you're so fucking smart that you leave your glasses. I like how the granite woman and the putty man killed a man at during that exact time period and they both got executed. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) These two men killed a child and got life in prison. That's crazy. Were your people white? Yeah, of course. Did they have money for the best lawyers of the whole world? Oh, yeah, no. And I mean, they yeah. had money, but it wasn't like a whole lot. See, that's I think that's really the thing. It, it really on, is. I mean, if OJ taught us nothing, it's get good defense counsel. And have money. I mean. <laughs> have so all, much money. All the money. So, Leopold and Loeb, as I mentioned really i think were the inspiration or as kevin williamson said were the inspiration for the vibe and kind of the dynamic between Stu and billy within screen um Mm -hmm. victoria's going to talk about inspiration for the murders within screen themselves like the physical acts of murder um but i also wanted to bring up another case that was actually inspired by scream which i truly truly hate um, mainly because, as I mentioned, and we talk about this a lot, like when it comes to, as I mentioned, Columbine and things like that, it's really fucked and we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be blaming the media for things. I don't think people are going to get, um, I don't think media and scary movies and scream make people kill people. I think if you already have that in you, it's going to possibly give you inspiration. But I don't think it's going to make you do it. Do you think that's fair? Yes. Okay. Because there are... The number of people who watch 
horror content or consume horror content who just who don't kill people yeah. vastly <laughs> outweighs the number of people that do. So statistically, yes, that is the correct statement, and I think so as well. I'm just saying, we're not the murderers. People are assholes if they are. So I think yeah. it's just a weird, stupid justification. So um, this case t- takes place in Idaho, in Bannock, Bannock, B-A-N-N-O-C-K County, Idaho. If I am saying that wrong, I am sorry. Um, once again, I'm from North Carolina. I can't say things properly sometimes. So, born in Kentucky. Yay. So, um, <laughs> September 22nd, 2006, the sweet baby angel, um, Casey Jo Stoddart. Once again, if I'm saying her name incorrectly, I apologize. Cassie. Cassie. That's what I said. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Casey. Oh, shit. Did I? Yeah, Cassie, you said Casey. I'm sorry. There you go. No, Casey you're good. Casey somebody. From We're screen. a teamwork. Uh, so, sweet baby angel Casey Joe Stoddart, apologize, sweet love, um, and to her family because she did not deserve this. Um, and this comes from an oxygen.com article because, of course, it does. So, Brian Draper and Tori Adamkick, I'm just gonna call him Tori because I can't. Um, listen, my last name is Mozaleski, these things are hard, and I'm just, I'm, I apologize. So, they murdered. Cassie because they quote wanted to be like Stu and Billy which is dumb Cassie was actually their friend and was you know friendly with them um they decided that you know they needed to kill their friend and all this stuff and I have a quote from them later they even made a kill list in the library and recorded a lot of their plans like idiots they literally made their kill list in the school library recorded it it was 2006. So I assume it was like a like a camcorder. I don't mm-hmm. think we, or maybe we had cell phones then. Um, I mean, I yeah, had a razor phone at that point. I think it was a camera. I think it was a camcorder. Like, yeah, because they they, they, they the tried to destroy the videotape later, and they couldn't even fucking do that right. So, like, if you're in the library at high school, and someone has a fucking video camera out, you're not gonna try to figure out what they're doing. They have to be talking on this thing and loudly for this camera to pick this stuff up. There's a video of this. I have seen it and it's um, them in the library and there's even like a teacher that comes up and talks to them and is like, hey, were you trying out for the football team? Blah, blah, blah. Like they're having casual conversation. <sighs> Nobody asked them like, what are y'all doing in this library? Yeah. Like recording stuff. I, Cause they were like, I guess, well known around school. I would say they were popular. Ish. I don't, and listen, it's no one's fault except for these two assholes. But I'm just saying. Yeah. Maybe maybe check in on people. Yeah, maybe let's do that. <laughs> I feel like that, like, just minimal. Once again, it's no one's fault for these people. But they decided to kill her purely because they knew she'd be alone, house-sitting for a relative. Like, everything that I've read about um, Cassie, and this was covered on the Morbid podcast. I believe it was episode 160-something. Give me one second. I have it written down somewhere. 61 there you go um said that uh cassie now i'm scared we can call her casey cassie was very much a reliable person knew that um she took everything you know like housing and dog sitting seriously it was just she was just a good person and i hate that someone like that 
their life was ended this way. Um, so she had her boyfriend, Matt Beckham, over to watch movies while she was dog sitting. And the two boys stopped by to watch movies with them. I don't think they were invited. I think they just kind of showed up. They stayed around to watch Kill Bill 2 for a little bit and then decided they were going to go to the movies instead, quote unquote. This was to try to establish an alibi, which they, um, they ever actually went and bought tickets and people at the movie theater like, no, they were never here. So that didn't work out well for them at all. Um, what they actually did was put masks on, sneak back into the house and cut the power. It freaked both um, Cassie and her boyfriend out and Matt wanted her to come stay with him or actually, excuse me. He wanted to stay with her because the power was out and she wouldn't leave the dogs because that's how seriously she took, you know, this responsibility. He called his parents and they're like, no, absolutely not. You have to come home. His parents came to pick him up and that was the last time Cassie was seen alive. And I can't imagine being those parents and being like, well, knowing what happened to this poor girl. Is that, like, just come with us. You don't have power deep in the, like, in the woods in this, like, secluded house. Just come with us, bring the dogs. Like, I hate, I hate that that happened. You know what I mean? It's like one of those, like, sliding glass door moments of, like, what if they had just said, no, just come with us. What would have happened? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like one tiny little detail could have changed everything. Um, So Brian and Tori snuck back upstairs where they proceeded to stab Cassie to death after she fought like hell. Um, She had... Apparently, like the crime scene, it was very obvious that she put up a hell of a fight because that's just who she was. The chilling part is that Brian and Tori both recorded stuff on a videotape that they later tried to burn. Where they, and I've seen pieces of this, of like, oh my god, we just killed somebody, blah blah blah. And like, I think that's mainly Brian, the person that's driving the car, and then Tori's like, shut the fuck up, we have to figure this out. And I think it was very clear one did not understand the gravity of the situation that they were in, and the other one did. And uh, that's just how you have to choose your friends wisely. Um, and they even record themselves, quote, apologizing to Cassie's family, saying, I'm sorry, Draper said to the camera, I'm sorry to Cassie's family, but she had to be the one. We have to stick to the plan. Um, quote, unfortunately, we have the grueling task of killing our friends. Draper said in the video as the two teens lay in wait in their car not far from the home. Quote, we're sick sociopaths, excuse me, we're sick psychopaths who get pleasure out of killing other people. One of the teens happily said at one point in the video, we want to be just like Scream. For me, there's no correlation besides um, just killing someone and filming the plan and the recreation, which is more of, or excuse me, the plan and the reaction which is more Scream 2 than anything, so we couldn't even get that correct. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got. I do. Dang. Yeah. Let me find out what they were sentenced with, because obviously they were quickly caught. Oh, yeah, very much so, because if you... Their whole entire interrogation video, if you're interested, is on YouTube for anybody listening to this. I have sat through both of their interrogation videos, and I will have Can't to tell know. you that... Um, it's re- like it's re- they're not smart. <laughs> like they didn't clearly like think about anything other than like the end result. 
they didn't think about, like you said, the movie theater thing because the people that worked at the movie theater went to school with them and they, much like in the Scream 2 situation where there was the cinema club, they, everybody in school knew that they loved movies and they were obsessed with movies. And so they went to the movies all the time. So when people were like, yeah, we were at the movies this time, this date, and they would go, okay, well, what did you see? They didn't even have an answer for that. And it's like, it's simple details, bro. Like, are you kidding me? Like, if you're going to go to this Don't do this. Don't. Don't do this. But, like, have a plan. Like, like when when I would sneak out in high school to stay at my boyfriend's house and pretend like I was staying at my best friend's house, I had details. You know what I mean? Yes. Like... Men. And that is something that had, like, no consequences. Not mm-hmm. not legal consequences, but you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, moral consequences, but... <laughs> it was um, fine. That was fine. Uh, so, Draper was convicted in April 17, 2007. Um, and Adam Kick, which is Tory, was convicted on June 8, 2007. Um, they were convicted of first-degree mother murder, not mother, each received a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment without possibility of parole and 30 years to life for being convicted of conspiracy to commit murder. So, just wanted to give that little button to the end of that. I like how they got charged with conspiracy. Like, bro, you did it. I know. You, I did, think you committed murder. I know what you mean, because it's all the extra stuff that they did. Mm-hmm. That's the conspiracy part, because there's too much of it. But it just makes me like, why the... Like, <laughs> just... I, <laughs> I think I they know. needed to put the conspiracy on there because sometimes, like, appeals and things. Ah, true. So, okay. like, you can appeal, so you're going to appeal everything, right? So, like, even if they somehow get off on a technicality of, like, a search warrant wasn't signed properly, whatever, they still have almost a complete locked up case, I'm assuming, of the conspiracy. So, at least they would stand for that. Hmm. That's what I would assume, anyway. Yeah. I'm not a legal person, so I. I'm not either. I mean, I know, but you pay attention to that more than I do. So that's what I would assume. But those are the two assets. Mm-hmm.